Our sermon consideration for this Ash Wednesday comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 18. It's the familiar parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector. To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. This is the gospel of our Lord. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Brushing your teeth, checking your email, eating your lunch, playing games on your phone, picking up a book, turning a page. What do all of these mundane tasks have in common? Besides the fact that they're often tasks that, that you've done during the course of the day, they also primarily require the use of hands. In fact, I think if we were to try and do some of those tasks without the use of our hands, we would find them incredibly difficult. Our hands are very vital in daily life, in how we, we conduct ourselves. That sometimes we almost take it for granted. It's almost like the air that we breathe. The things we do with our hands are so numerous. And so it should come as no surprise that hands also feature quite prominently in the suffering and death of Jesus. Which is why over these next several weeks of our midweek Lenten services, we're going to be taking a look at the hands of the Passion. Tonight, we focus in not on the hands of Peter or Pontius Pilate, not on the hands of Judas or the high priest Caiaphas, not even Jesus himself. Rather, we focus on the hands of two characters that our Lord spoke about in his parable. The hands of the Pharisee and the hands of the tax collector. It's a common enough story. Many people probably have heard it long before I read it for you. But I, what I want you to consider tonight is to look a little bit closer, to think of what the tax collector and what the Pharisee would have looked like, what their prayers would have sounded like. And maybe it's something you haven't done before, but consider what they were doing with their hands 
in the temple. And how does that, what they did with their hands, reflect on what was going on in their heart? And then also, to take into consideration how that affects you and your life, and how we can cherish and appreciate having hands of repentance. The scene that I just described or I read from Luke chapter 8 takes place in the temple. And there we have two fictional yet very realistic characters that Jesus portrays. And they both go to the temple, that sacred place, for the same reason. They both go to pray. They even start their prayers in the exact same way. God! But that's where the similarities end. The first man Jesus introduces is the Pharisee. The Pharisees were among the religious elite of the Jews. They were the first to claim the moral high ground. They were the ones who said that they could follow God's law more faithfully and more obediently than your average Jew. And this Pharisee wanted to make sure that everybody in the temple knew about it. So he starts his prayer. God, I thank you. It's a pretty good start to a prayer. It would be the kind of prayer that, that you or I would want to say. It's the kind of prayer that Christian parents teach to their kids to thank God. And if only the Pharisee would have stopped at that point, it would have been a great prayer. God, I thank you. Amen. Fortunately, he didn't stop right there. And as he continued on with his prayer, we see very clearly that it is not so much a prayer of thanksgiving at all that is coming from his heart. He says, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. God, I haven't broken the seventh commandment. I haven't stolen from anybody. I haven't broken the sixth commandment either. I haven't committed adultery with anybody either. In the mind of this Pharisee, he had kept all of the commands of God. Well, actually, that's not quite true. Not only did he think that he had kept the commandments of God, he was convinced in his mind that he had gone above and beyond the requirements that God had set in his law. And just in case God wasn't paying attention, he gave him a few examples of what he had done. I fast twice a week, and I give a tenth of all I get. The law of Moses required that every Jew was to fast one day per year. This Pharisee was fasting twice each week. And he gave God a tenth of everything he got, whether God deserved it or not. Yes, this Pharisee, what do you think he was doing with his hands the whole time? It really doesn't matter. 
Because whether those hands were lifted up to heaven in prayer or whether they were folded together, really what was he doing? He was giving himself a congratulatory pat on the back. And no doubt the people that were in the temple that day would have looked up to that Pharisee, his morality and his generosity, and they said, wow, I wish I could be just like him. But that was what was going on on the outside. What was happening on the inside? What was going on in the heart of that Pharisee that caused him to pray such a prayer? Now, Luke doesn't tell us. So anything that we guess is just going to be speculation. Was this Pharisee so full of himself? Was he so blinded by his pride? Or maybe this Pharisee knew himself a little bit better than he was letting on. Maybe, just maybe, he focused on the things that he was doing well to deflect from the things that he wasn't doing well. Or maybe the Pharisee, maybe he wasn't so much trying to convince others of his righteous relationship with God, but maybe he was trying to convince himself. Any way you slice it, the Pharisee missed the point of prayer. He missed the point of coming to the temple. He missed the whole point and the whole reason why we have a season in the church here called Lent. He missed the point of why you are all here this evening, middle of February, on a weekday night. He missed the point of repentance and forgiveness. That's what Ash Wednesday is about. Ash Wednesday is about focusing on our sins. Ash Wednesday is about asking for forgiveness for those sins. Ash Wednesday is when sinners look to Jesus as their only salvation. Because this Pharisee was unwilling to admit that he needed to be saved, because he was unwilling to admit that he needed his sins forgiven, this Pharisee went home empty-handed. Then you have the second person in the parable, a person that probably did not get too much attention. In fact, he probably stayed back in the shadows. He would not even look up to heaven, this tax collector had his chin down, hands in a fist, beat his breast. He knew who he was. He knew what he had done. He knew what he deserved. And yet he did not give up hope. Simply said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Tax collector did not try and compare himself to people who were worse than he was. He did not try to compile a resume of all of the things that he had done to make himself look and feel better. Instead, he stared at himself in the mirror of God's law. He saw himself for the helpless sinner that he was. And he recognized his only hope was to rely on that mercy. 
Wasn't a long prayer. Only seven words in English. Yet it was powerful. It was powerful because it was genuine, it was heartfelt, and it came from a humble faith. The faith of the tax collector was rewarded. As Jesus said, I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Jesus didn't share this parable with a particular group of people. It wasn't like he was among Pharisees and told them this parable, nor the tax collectors, nor just his disciples. Do you remember how Luke started this gospel? He tells us this. To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. As you look out at that crowd of people that Jesus spoke this parable to, can you identify anyone that fits that description? Maybe it's the classmate in school that wants to tell everyone how great she is. Maybe it's that coworker at work who, who's always telling you how to do your job. Or it's that friend who uses their Christmas card as an excuse to brag about how great their family is. Or when you examine the faces in the crowd a little more closely, do you see a face that looks very close to yours? As you look out into that crowd, while we can complain that people, about the people who think they're better than us, aren't we really then saying that we are in fact better than they are? When we criticize the people who look down their noses at everyone else, aren't we, in fact, really saying that we're looking down our nose at them? While we may not stand up in front of church and call out other people like the Pharisee did, should God judge us for our thoughts of judgment that we have held against others in our hearts? Precisely because it's so easy to act like the Pharisee. And we need to remember this parable and instead look to the example of the tax collector. We need to fold our hands and open our hearts. Not just on Ash Wednesday, but every day we need to pray that prayer God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And then we need to take one more look at this parable because there's one more person in it. It's the person who told it. If anyone had a legitimate reason to boast about himself, it was Jesus. He honored his parents. He obeyed the laws of the land. He, he kept every commandment of God perfectly, but not for his benefit, not so that he would have something to boast about. He did it for you. If anyone had a legitimate reason to not be humble, 
It was Jesus. As true God, he knows all and sees all and rules all. And yet the creator of all things made himself nothing, taking on human flesh. He took on the role of a servant and allowed himself to be humiliated and executed, not to pay for his own sins, because he had no sin. Everything he did, he did for you. We cry out, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. God does. Because of his mercy, Jesus took your place. He lived a sinless life in your place, and he died in your place on the cross so that you can have a place beside him in heaven. Because of his mercy, God gives you the gift of prayer, the ability to talk to God about anything at any time, anywhere. In his mercy, God gives us his very body and blood in the Lord's Supper with his personal assurance that your sins are forgiven. Because of God's great mercy, you don't have to be weighed down by guilt. Because of his mercy, you don't have to be afraid of anything. Your Savior is with you as long as you live. You know where you're going after you die. So you can leave this house of worship with a humble confidence because you are in good hands. You're in God's hands. Amen. Now may he who began a good work in you carried out to completion on the day of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.